enter the water and then we'll do the baptism. And after the baptism, we will go downstairs for fellowship. So that's the program and the plan. All right, so let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we are here this morning to look into your word. We ask that your spirit will guide, direct, and bless everything that is said. I pray that the words that are spoken by me will bring glory to Jesus Christ. That our eyes will be pointed to him. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. I pray that those that don't know Jesus as their Savior will come to know him as their Savior today. And that believers will find encouragement from your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, I think my daughter was asking, who is preaching? And I said, me. Said, I said, you just spoke. I said, it's because they know I can keep it short for baptism. I hope, I hope, I hope they are right. <laughs> I doubt they are. <laughs> so, but we'll see. Um, so I've been looking at Luke chapter 7, which has a, it's a whole chapter in the life of Jesus. And we... Last time I spoke was on John the Baptist, and I said a few things about John, and I was hoping to finish it today, but because of baptism, I'm not going to finish. It doesn't mean that the message will be short. It just means because of baptism, I'm not going to finish. So in Luke chapter 5, we find a Roman centurion asking for healing, and telling Jesus not to just speak the word, and it will happen. And Jesus spoke the word, and it happened. And then we found a distraught woman with a dead son. And Jesus showed up and had compassion on her. It's the only time Jesus is mentioned going to this village of Nain, and the woman had no expectations. In fact, she didn't even know that Jesus was there. He didn't even know, she didn't even know who he was, but he had compassion on her and brought her son back to life. So I called the first one a great miracle, which is healing. I got this, called this one a greater miracle. And then the story continues, or the event continues with John the Baptist being imprisoned. And then he sent his disciples and to go and ask whether Jesus is the one to come hoping that Jesus would perform a miracle for him. And so what Jesus did at that hour was to heal the sick, uh, you know, bring blind men back to seeing and things like that. And then he sent his disciples back and said, tell John what you've seen. And blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And then when the disciples of John left, Jesus made a statement about John. The statement we will read shortly when they left. He identified him as the greatest man that has ever lived. We need to note that John the Baptist did not perform a single physical miracle. 
But the Lord Jesus identified him as the greatest man. But he added something that I think is important that we'll touch on. So we are on John the Baptist. Uh, we have not yet gone to this one. The greatest miracle that we can get, which is salvation. All right. John the Baptist, portrait of a great man. So the last time, so let's read these verses. Uh, I do have questions. So if you're wondering, are, are questions coming? Yes, they are. But they are coming because they will lead us into the baptism. The questions will lead us right there into the baptism. So they are. Okay. In Luke chapter 7, verse 28, we read, Jesus says, I tell you among those born of women... None is greater than John, yet the least, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So, and then in Matthew 11, verse 11, it says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, it's the same incident except just different, uh, different details. Among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So i like you, I mean, just to note, just in passing, no, not a lot of explanation. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And yet, the least is greater than you. So this way Jesus' words spoken, Spoken to John's disciples, or spoken after John's disciples had left, and spoken for our benefit. So, given that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John, the question that everybody needs to ask is how can I enter the kingdom of God or heaven? You want to be great? That's the place to be great. Being in the kingdom of God. Because the least in the kingdom is greater than John. These are the Bible passages that you know, relate to John. There are more. John the Baptist is mentioned at least 85 times in the New Testament. So it's really mentioned a lot of times. And this is where we were the last time. Before John was imprisoned, we said it was prophesied that John would be great. And John prepared Israel for the Messiah, and we were here. This is where we are supposed to be, that, that one and that one, but we'll be here today. Okay, so what we'll do mostly for this, uh, this morning is just read. Read the Bible and then try to see what it says. That's the idea. The idea is to read the Bible and see what the Bible says as opposed to what we think it says. Okay, so John the Baptist introduced Jesus. Now, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his message was very clear. You need to repent. Now, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the regions around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. So everybody, everybody was coming to John to be baptized. And they were confessing their sins. They were repenting of their sins. 
and confessing, and then John was baptizing them. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, this is a group of people, Sadducees and Pharisees and Sadducees, they were coming, they were you know, the class, a class people, so to speak, in a high class, coming to be baptized, he said to them, you offspring of vipers. What a message. Somebody's coming to be baptized and then you say, you children of snake. That is not politically correct. But John wasn't politically correct. You offspring of vipers who, are, who want you to flee from the wrath to come. They say wrath coming. Who want you to flee? Therefore, produce fruits consistent with repentance. And do not assume that you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children. For Abraham. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is being cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He recognized somebody is coming after him. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. And then it said this about the Lord Jesus Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm sure we are very familiar with the Holy Spirit part. The fire part, often we don't talk about it. But that's important. And then he, he went on and said, his, his knowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and he will gather, he will gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn with the chaff, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Two baptisms: baptism with the spirit, baptism with fire. One has to do with gathering people into the kingdom of God. The other one has to do with those who are not in the kingdom being gathered for judgment. In a word that is not politically correct. Hellfire. So, the Lord Jesus, in John chapter 5, we are told that God has committed all judgment into the hands of the Son so that all may honor the Son. And we are also told that he is the Savior. So right now he is the Savior, then he will be the judge. And those who are not in the kingdom of God will have to spend their time being baptized, so to speak, with fire. If you are in the kingdom, baptized with the spirit. All right, let's move on. So John kept introducing Jesus. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Galilee is in the north. Samaria is in the middle. Judea is at the bottom. Those are the three provinces always in the picture in my head. Galilee. Samaria, Judea. So Jesus came from Galilee and is moving to Judea to be baptized. 
But John tried to prevent him. John must have known something about the Lord Jesus, maybe not fully revealed, saying, I have the need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me. But Jesus answering said to him, allow it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him out. After he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from the heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So let's make a few points from here. Jesus was about to begin his public ministry. Jesus had never been introduced in terms of public ministry. This was the first time. Heavens were opened. It's a devotional call, open heaven. People that know, know what I'm saying. So heavens were opened. And when the heavens opened, God the Father and God the Spirit were present. And God the Son was also present. And then Jesus was baptized. When John said, no, 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 I don't want to baptize you. But Jesus said, allow it to be so. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. The question that we might like to ask is, who is us? I'd like to suggest to you that it wasn't Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist already told you that he's not worthy to even baptize him. I'd like to suggest to you that the us was the presence of the Father and the Son announcing to the world a baptism that is coming on the cross. So, how does uh, baptizing Jesus fulfill our righteousness, so to speak? I think the message was simple. God was trying to communicate something because baptism by itself pictures death, burial, and resurrection. God was trying to communicate something to the world that is through the death of his son, the burial of his son, and the resurrection that every human being can have righteousness. It's not by your good works or what you can do. And God the Son was also, uh, God the Holy Spirit was present to endorse Jesus Christ by resting on him as a dove and then staying there without measure, John tells us. God the Father also spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now let me suggest to you that it's not the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ that fulfills all righteousness. It's his death on the cross. But baptism is a picture of that death, burial, and resurrection. And at the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, that picture is being painted to see for everyone to at least get so the father said this, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the sum or sums Jesus' life from birth until now. Now if you study the scripture carefully, you will notice 
that Jesus was mentioned as a baby. And after that, the last mention of Jesus is when he was 12 years old in the temple. We never hear anything about his life between being a baby or after that 12 years, we don't have any record of his life from 12 to now. So when the father said, I am well pleased with this, my son, he's telling you that he was without sin. He's impeccable, he didn't sin, couldn't sin, and had no sin. So his life was spotless. John knew something, that's why I said, I think you should be the one baptizing me. Right? So that was to sum up his life. But I want you to notice something. Jesus had not performed a single miracle or thought at this time. He had not spoken about himself. In fact, the next event in the activity or in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was to move into the wilderness to be tempted. So, moving on. So John the Baptist introduces Jesus, who was just a carpenter from Nazareth, unknown. So in John chapter 1, we like to read these words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent by God whose name was John. What was his purpose? He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness. So John came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John. Still in John chapter 1. Because John was very successful baptizing everybody from Judea, Jerusalem, and people were coming to him. The rulers of the day wanted to know something about John. Okay? So, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. It means they were expecting the Christ. They were expecting the Messiah to arrive. So he said, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? They were expecting the prophet. And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then, why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one who you do not know, and he comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. So that's John 19, verse 1, verse 19 to 29. And then we get into this. 
Oh, uh, I didn't know I had this point. <laughs> John the Baptist was a man sent from God. He did not fit into the preformed mold in Israel. He was not a Pharisee. He was not a Sadducee. He was not a priest. He was not a Levite. He was not a scribe. He was just a voice in the wilderness. He identified himself as nobody, as you can see. But he had one goal, and only one goal in mind, to witness about Jesus. And a witness is one that testifies about the truth, and he says that Jesus was the eternal one and the light. All right, so, now from 29 to 34, the next day. The next day, after that encounter, John, or he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me, I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, for this reason, I came baptizing with water. Why did John baptize with water? He's telling us why. For this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Okay? And John bore witness, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And it remained on him. I, I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. It is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I bore witness that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist. He was the first person to identify Jesus as the eternal God. Physical Jesus. I'm not saying about the prophecies of the Old Testament. He was the first person to identify Jesus as the eternal God. And the first person to identify him as the Messiah. And the first person to identify him as the Lamb of God. He called him God's Lamb, not man's Lamb. He said he would take away the sin of the world, not the sin of Israel. Not only that, John was familiar with sacrifices in the temple. Every day in the temple, there were at least two animals being slaughtered. And yearly, people had to sacrifice during the Passover for their fam at family meals. And there were also personal sacrifices that people made. So John was familiar with all these uh, uh, images and all these activities of sacrifices. But when he saw Jesus coming, not in the temple, but near Jordan, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, in the Old Testament, when um, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. 
Isaac. Isaac asked the father. What was the question? He said, I see the fire. I see the wood. I see all of that. But where is the lamb? And what did Abraham say? Say, God will provide a lamb for himself. And so when John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, behold the lamb of God. Not just for an individual sacrifice, but for the sins of the whole world. That means it includes, I'm a Nigerian, so I like that. It includes Nigeria, it includes India, it includes Filipino, it includes, well, China, it includes the whole world. Uh, of course, Canadians, they won't, they won't forgive me if I don't mention. And it includes Cabretan, you know, if you want to. So it includes the whole world, everywhere, all of that. Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist identified the person and the works of Jesus Christ before Jesus performed a single miracle. So it's not like John chapter 20 that says, these things are written so that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He said many other signs he did, but these are written so that ye may believe. John knew Jesus to be all of this even before he did a single miracle. And even before Jesus spoke a single word. What made John great? He identified the Lord Jesus Christ as the eternal God, the Messiah, and the Lamb of God. Let's move on. See, I told you that questions were coming. I want to move straight into the baptism, and I'm going somewhere. So now the speaker is, slow, is going to slow down speaking, and it's your turn, okay? Name all the persons in the New Testament with complete biographies. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has a complete biography in the New Testament. John the Baptist has a complete biography in the New Testament. We don't know when Paul was born or where he was before he became a, Christ, a believer. Who else? Only two men in the New Testament. John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Well, I could be wrong, so if you can check, and then next time, next Sunday, you can correct me. But that's my understanding right now. Only two men. Okay, so based on the Bible, what are the two groups of humanity from the time of Jacob till the birth of Jesus Christ? God has only two categories of people from the time of Jacob to the birth of Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles. We have to know this because it makes it easier to understand why the Bible is called the Old Testament and the New so, Jews and Gentiles, Israelites or descendants of Jacob, Gentiles, every person that is not a descendant of Jacob. If you are not, then you are a Gentile. Okay. Based on the Bible, what are the two groups of humanity after Jesus began his public ministry? There are only two groups of people. Saved and unsaved. Those are the only two categories that God recognizes. It doesn't matter whether you are a Jew or Gentile. If you are a believer, you are in one group. And if you are a non-believer, 
It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, Gentile, male or female, you are in another group. This one, this group will be baptized with the Spirit. This group, unless they repent, they will be baptized with fire. That's God's call, not mine. Okay? So those are the only two groups. It doesn't matter. I hear things like multicultural, black, white, yellow, and all of that. Very nice. But in God's economy, only two groups of humanity. Okay? Only two groups. And I put that verse there. Who did John the Baptist baptize in water? Who? Jews. He came to baptize Jews. The Jews were the ones expecting a Messiah. The Jews were the ones expecting the prophet to come. The rest of the world, they were busy doing their own thing. Repentant Jews, to be precise. Is that all? Jesus Christ. He did baptize Jesus Christ. We just read it. Okay. Where did John the Baptist get the idea or the authority to baptize Jews? Let's move on. God. It wasn't John thinking, oh, I see that we normally baptize proselytes that want to become, you know, become Jews. It was God that sent him to baptize. Okay. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he was sent by God. His mission, the baptism of John was by God. And then Jesus had this encounter with the chief priest and the elders. I couldn't help but read this. We read this in, a, in our men's study. And when he entered the temple, this is three years after John the Baptist had left the scene. And Jesus went to the temple and then he whipped people and then got them out. And so they came to him and then they said, and when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I will also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discuss it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he, he went on to give three parables. One of them talking about, you know, publicans and prostitutes coming into the kingdom of God before the other. So he endorsed the fact that John's baptism was from God. All right. Why did John the Baptist baptize the Jews. Why couldn't he just say repent and be forgiven? But he baptized them. Why? We read it this morning. 
For this purpose I came baptizing with water. That he might be revealed to Israel. And I was sent on a mission. The way to identify the Messiah says. I myself did not know him. He says. I'm reading verse 33. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me. He on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. That's how he identified Jesus. This is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and I've borne witness that he's the son of God. Now we come to our baptism. Who do we baptize in water today? Believers. You have to be a believer. Believers in Jesus Christ. Jews or Gentiles. So you don't get baptized to be saved. You get baptized after you are saved. And I want to make that clear. So we are not baptizing you so that you can get saved. You are already saved and you are baptized. Does water baptism save a person? No. I, I wanted to make sure that everybody understands that no, it doesn't save anybody. Okay? No. The only means of salvation is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That is the only means of salvation. So nobody is going to be saved today by being baptized. It's only those that are saved that are going to be baptized. Why is a believer in Jesus Christ baptized today? What's that? Testimony, okay? A sign of transferring, yeah, it's a good symbol of transferring from death to life. What's that? Obedience to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's that? If you are in Christ, you are clean. So we are just baptizing you to identify that you are already a believer. So the water doesn't clean you. Actually, as David Mark would say, he said, it's city water. You know, and uh, that's all it is. It's nothing more than that. So it's a proclamation of the spiritual reality of identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's in obedience to the words of the Lord. We have all those scriptures, and I don't want to read. You see, I'm trying to finish on time. It doesn't happen often. But today, today I am trying to make sure I finish on time. Are all believers in Jesus Christ baptized in the Spirit? Okay. You see that verse? I want to read it and make it clear. The first one. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. You are not in this flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Anyone. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ. Does not belong to him. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are not one of his. Yes. 
And if you are a believer, you belong to him. So you have to. All right, let's move on. You see, in the sequence of events, the father sent the son. And the son lived to glorify the father. The son sent the spirit. And the spirit's ministry is to glorify Jesus Christ. So we need to know that. That's the father, all, of that, all of that is scriptures. Okay, so let's summarize this and then we are ready. So if you are going to be baptized, you should be thinking about it. And John, you should also be thinking about it. Okay? All right. Water baptism in the New Testament. From what we can see from the record, water baptism of repentant sinners or Jews by John the Baptist. It happened before Jesus was identified as Messiah, as the Lamb of God and Son of God. It looked forward to salvation through Jesus. It was temporary, not necessary today. In Acts chapter 19, verse 3 to 5, uh, Paul shows up in Ephesus and he said to the Ephesian believers, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Did you see that? There are two baptisms mentioned there. They say we're baptized into the baptism of John. And Paul said, oh, that was looking forward to the coming of Christ. Now that you are a believer, you need to be baptized. So on hearing this, you read, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay, water baptism by John the Baptist. The purpose of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist. It, was, it served to reveal Jesus as the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and the Son of God. That was his purpose. And it's also a picture of how sinners will be saved or obtain righteousness by Jesus Christ. It pictures Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for sinners. There is more here, but I don't want to go there. Water baptism of believers in Jesus, in Jesus Christ by other believers, which is where we are today. This is where, that's where we are today. Believers in Jesus Christ by other believers. It started after John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Messiah. It's for all believers today. If you are a believer and you are not baptized, the question will be, why not? It does not save a sinner. I want to emphasize that. It's not a means of salvation. It doesn't clean you from sin. It is carried out in obedience to Jesus' command. It serves as a public proclamation of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it symbolizes the spiritual reality that the believer is already buried and raised with Christ. It's important. That we stress that. That's what, why we are doing it. And all of this is contained in Romans 6. I can see John getting into the water and reading all of these verses. So I don't want to read that. So what made John the Baptist great? I'm wrapping up my message. The first one I finished on time. It probably won't happen again. <laughs> John the Baptist was the first person to identify Jesus 
as the eternal God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist identified the persons and the work of Jesus Christ before he performed a single miracle and before he spoke a word. Uh, before somebody comes and then says, yeah, but when he was in the temple, he was talking with the teachers when he began his public ministry at the age of 30. Because I'm pretty sure somebody's going to come and tell me that that one wasn't correct. It's not technically correct. So I'm just trying to correct it now before you come. Okay? John the Baptist called himself a nobody and John the Baptist had only one goal, which is what should be our only goal, to exalt Jesus Christ and to point people to him. A great life is a life that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, exalts him, and points people to him. So that was his only goal and his only mission in life. What made John great? He had a humble man. We have all of this. Uh, and John exited the stage voluntarily for Jesus to be continued. All right. Um, I think it would be nice to bring the kids downstairs because we are about to do baptism. Okay? But let's pray and then we'll proceed. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you will help us to honor you and to bring glory to you by our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 